Hello again, all my gorgeous listeners, and thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Glow West podcast. We're here to chat all about the wonders of sex, sexuality, and the body. I'm your host, Dr. Caroline West, and as always, I'm delighted to be part of the Tortoise Shack Network, where you can find tons of content on politics, culture, society, trans rights, and of course, me with the sex podcast. If you like what we do, please do consider supporting us at patreon.com forward slash tortoise shack as it really does help to keep the mics on. Or if you feel like it, please pop over to Apple and rate and review. You can drop me a DM on Instagram or Twitter at Glow West Podcast. So I'm delighted to have this special episode today as it is the International Transgender Day of Visibility. And to talk about this, I have three incredible panellists. First up, I have educator Andy, who is a queer and trans bear cub, born and raised in Oakland, California. As a sexual health educator for nearly 20 years, Andy enjoys providing accurate and accessible information, who hopes to arouse, curi- hopes to arouse curiosity and spread truth. When not philosophizing about sexuality, Andy can be found skateboarding, singing George Michael and blushing, all while flaunting his teddy bear figure. Next up, we have Jason Pope, who is a 21-year-old social policy student in UCD in Dublin. He's been involved in trans youth activism since he came out seven years ago through Belong to Youth Services, the LGBTI plus national youth strategy and UCD's LGBTQ plus society. And then last but no means least, we have Lilla Carroll, who is Tenney's National Community Development Officer. Her work focuses on promoting mental health, resilience and capacity building within the trans community in Ireland through community events and liaising with trans peer support groups around the country. Lilith holds a master's in international development as well as a degree in digital media. In her own words, Lilith is an out and proud intersectional feminist and bi lesbian. Thank you everyone for coming. That's a very impressive bios from everybody we have there. How are we all keeping today? Grant, Grant, yeah. Doing good so far. I like yeah, just happy to be here. <laughs> yeah, I appreciate the earliness of the day as well for, for poor old Andy as well. So uh, the joys of time differences. So um let's let's dive in. Um International Transgender Day of Visibility. Um uh, so it's a mixture of feelings around that. Um I just want to ask how you all feel about that day. Um Andy, I might start with you there. Oh, uh, well, uh, I think for me, um, I think that there, there's uh, a huge importance for uh, representation in the community. And I think that uh, whether that is representation of uh, being trans or also just like the various types of being trans that that can look like and how that can be all the different intersections of identities within that um, I think are really important so for me as a uh, as a black person as a as a Latino person as a uh, fat person I really uh, look for the vast representation and diversity as something that uh, helps me to feel seen and um, so there's that really great aspect of it, but on the other side of it <laughs> is the, uh, the challenge sometimes of, uh, feeling confident and brave enough to let myself be seen. Um, and sometimes, uh, you know, with all of the oppression that we face, um, you know, I, I get a little tired of being on display. So, uh, so there is a, a definitely a, a mixed bag 
um, emotionally and personally for it on how I celebrate it. Uh, some years I might be very, you know, wear my trans pride shirt or something like that. Whereas other years I might really just post something online and, and kind of just appreciate it um, from, uh, from afar as a bystander myself and seeing my community. Yeah, it's double-edged sword, I suppose, for, for it all, for emotions. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, what about yourself, Lilith? Yeah, I, I, I suppose, yeah, there's this, I, I find a day a little bit complex, I guess, for, for myself kind of personally, you know, on, like on the one hand, it, it, it's, the day is meant to be a sort of, I guess, it, it's, it's, it's a kind of a meant to be like a response to Trans Day of Remembrance, which is like the previously before Trans Day of Visibility was like the only day of the year that kind of, uh, you know, was specifically kind of trans focused. And obviously it, it, it that focuses on, you know, the, um, you know, the, you know, the, the, the you know, the death and murder of, of, of uh, trans women of color, um, you know, and uh, I suppose, you know, this, it, Trans Day of Visibility is, is meant to be kind of maybe more about kind of the those that are still here and are visible and out and proud and and those sorts sorts of a thing and 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 to kind of be more of a celebratory kind of uh, day where we we talk about our identity and you know we, I guess we try to kind of amplify our voices and and I suppose when when trans people are talking from on their own terms about you know who they are and and the, the people that they look up to and respect and the people that have become before there's a there's a you know you know there, there's a positivity there but at the same time then you know particularly when I was maybe kind of very early on in my transition the the idea of visibility and the notion of visibility I like I gone from you know existing in, in a way that I was like I guess kind of completely erased and people didn't uh, see me for me and I didn't even see myself for me for for uh, long stretches of that to being completely hyper visible and how you know they you know moving through the world in a, in a way that you know everybody sees you and you stand out like a sore thumb uh, and kind of coming to terms with that uh, but I suppose like kind of more nowadays I suppose I like I, I guess it's just about you know who is shining the light and who is controlling that narrative and, and, and what perspectives are we hearing around um, uh, uh, like trans identities and you know like visibility in itself in terms of trans people is kind of a new thing for for many trans people it was you know the people just didn't really know that much about us or think about that us that much and maybe it was a bit more easier to kind of you know be stealth in your life that you live whereas now it's it you know trans people are visible and there's just a lot that's come you know there, there's a lot of kind of aggressive and violent kind of responses to that in our, uh, as a result that we kind of have to live with and it's not always positive so it, it's just yeah, it's it's complicated, I guess. Uh, it's the easiest way I can kind of put it. Yeah, that de definitely sums it up, I'm sure. And and then Jay, your thoughts on it? Well, I think of like first when I think of kind of trans day visibility is very much the fact that like I I know that this is not like me unique kind of thing. I know that other trans people have said the same kind of thing before, but I didn't really know I could be trans because I didn't know trans people were real. So trans visibility allowed me to be trans in that way. I didn't realize that like there were there were words for how I felt that I was experiencing something that had a name until I encountered another trans person. And then I had that moment of like, oh, we're the same. 
and I get that and I see that and that allowed me to kind of come to the point that I'm at now where I be that person where I be that visible like trans person because I want to show people that you can be trans that I want to show people that you can exist and you can especially as a young person that you can come out you can be trans you're allowed to do that but at the same time there is that level of hyper visibility like I think of the fact that you know in like last few years when I've been out as trans and I've been getting involved in different stuff there's a lot of a let's call it a paper trail of me being trans out there not in the traditional sense of like you know how I had a career as an elder trans person but I there's proof that I'm trans there's videos of me talking about being trans there's my name on different things related to being trans and I know that like you know maybe someday that'll come back to get me uh I hope it doesn't but I know that if somebody wanted to find out that I was trans they could do so very easily and sometimes that visibility is that kind of fear that danger that oh I could just be targeted out of that and when we are visible and I think this is especially obvious when it comes to like um the way some unnamed transphobes behave is that when we are more visible when we are more out there we get more backlash and that's the same thing as the other two were saying that when we are here we are seen then people also want to hate us and that's kind of the two sides of the coin I want to celebrate trans day visibility and I want to be happy and I do it regardless of what people are going to say or react to me but it is hurtful to know that there are people who look at trans day visibility as an opportunity to find trans people to attack you know it's just disgusting like uh, get a life for the, the that's me being very polite there but um like, like you're all kind of saying there that yeah it's absolutely complicated and I suppose being trans is complicated with the, the systems that you have to navigate in order to to you know live the lives that you want to live but what you're all saying there as well is like that visibility is dangerous also sometimes and there are you know we do unfortunately live in a world where turfs are getting more and more um space in in media and things like this but do you find then that you know being visible trans people and trans advocates then do you find that you can often be just reduced to that just like just a trans person as opposed to just being Lilith or Andy or Jay or like Andy the skateboarder not like Andy the trans advocate all the time is there a space to just be yourselves in that anyone go I know we're gonna go to Jay for that one talk over each other <laughs> yeah well. sorry I'll come to people um, we'll edit that out <laughs> I like I know that especially when I was in secondary school, I felt so pigeonholed as a trans person. Um, like, even though I would say that I'm more visible today than I was then, because I was in a school where everybody knew I was trans because I didn't move schools. I came out when I was in third year. So people were there, they saw, um, and I felt so kind of pigeonholed a lot of the time because people had this idea of me that was just like, Jay's just trans. That's all Jay cares about, That's all Jay talks about. But in reality, like, I have a lot of hobbies, probably too many. And I really enjoy all of those. But being trans had such a significant kind of space in my life because, you know, I was transitioning. I was in the process of, like, doing a lot of things. I was changing my name. I was changing my gender marker. I was going on hormones and stuff like that. And, like, that takes up a lot of your time. It is, like, a significant part of your life. And even then, today, you know, even though I'm kind of, 
past a lot of those initial kind of transition milestones, I still see it as a big part of my identity. And that's fine. I'm allowed to feel that way. But people people used to kind of very much constrict me to just being trans and they choose not to see the other stuff. And I think that that can still happen, but I find it happens to me a lot less now, probably more so because I surround myself with people who are also queer and who are going to look past that. Um, I'm not sure what uh, the transphobes think of me, but that's on their time. Yeah, we don't care what they think. Anyway, um, Andy, would you have that same experience? So I think for me, um, you know, it's, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm 36 now and I, uh, you know, I kind of came out in, uh, in high school. So I've had a long, you know, I was, the, I was a youth uh, advocate and activist and all the newspapers and, you know, things like that. And um, so I, I have been so many things in different stages of my life that there you know i've been andy the trans guy and i've been andy the uh the sex educator and i've been andy the fat skateboarder and i've been you know all of these different identities and parts of me um and it's always interesting when when i find people that can only hold one uh, versus the the many kind of com- complex you know intersectional facets of all of them um when folks that are really stuck on one label or identity or part of you and um and that that tends to feel the like folks that you don't really want to be around very much you know like the people that can't really fully see you and as a trans person you know i think we're pretty you know like our intuition on when we notice people that are not seeing all of us uh, can come up pretty quick you know or like oh the little spidey sense of like uh oh like this person is talking about my body in a certain way or like thinking about like my voice a lot or any of these things that were like, you know, starting to feel observed. Um, so I just kind of, I think like, like I've heard, you know, folks say here, like uh, I surround myself around other queer folks, other trans folks, other folks that are at least in the, um, in that stage of awareness and um, kind of mindfulness so where I don't have to um, be their their learning experience. Yeah, yeah, you're not their teachable moment for we're all trans kind of topics and stuff. Yeah, yeah. And what about yourself, Lilith? Would you would you have that same experience? Yeah, I, I mean, I I, I kind of joke because because I work for Denny. You know, I I often like introduce myself as like, hi, I'm I'm Lilith. I'm a professional trans because of, <laughs> you know my, my work is, is is just it's it is kind of you know, and uh, working with the community and, and, you know, just kind of being trans almost 24 seven, really. And, and there's, there's like, there's other facets to it. Like, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm the same age as Andy, but I've been out maybe half the amount of time as, as, as Jason. So on the one hand, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm you know, I'm, I'm older, but I'm also like a, a, a bit of an, a bit of an egg, a baby trans kind of person. So like, that part of me is still quite a big thing that I have to still kind of live through and work out. You know, there's still aspects of my physical transition that, you know, I'm not there yet. And, you know, that sort of thing. So it, it is something that's kind of quite a big part of me right now. Um, but like even just over to say the four and a half years or 
uh, five years that I've, I've been out, you know, the difference between say where I was and in that first and second year and where I am now and how kind of it is that part of myself is kind of shrinking, you know, and, and becoming kind of less of a burden and more of my life is filling in, you know, uh, that it's not just kind of predicated on my transness. You know, um, and you know, like it's it's similar similar uh, with the other folks here. Like, uh, just it's when I'm in maybe spaces where I am um, when I'm at home or I'm with uh, kind of uh, other people in my community, be it uh, the trans folk that I hang around with or the deadly kind of uh, feminine uh, feminist friends that I hang out with, either uh, in real life or you know in certain you know groups whatever that I'm, uh, where I can feel most myself and it's less of a thing or when I bring it up bring it up people just get it I'm not having to kind of explain stuff to people or you know educate folks you know. Yeah, absolutely like outside of the trancing I'm sure all like people who are like really annoying at picking your socks up off the floor or not washing the dishes on a you know fast enough basis or you know let everyday kind of stuff but something that that strike me when you're all talking there is like yeah. the concept of courage and resilience and you know I think there's a lot of people especially in in certain communities and, and cultures and, and countries and things like this and and um age demographics and stuff that that would identify as trans but just it's just it's either not a safe thing to come out or it's just like a terrifying thing to come out for so many different reasons and um I I look at the three of you and I just see like courage and resilience and and I think that that's just like iconic let alone you know not just as a trans courage but just courage in general to live the life that you feel is most authentic to you and most of us are still scrambling in the dark trying to be our authentic selves in in everyday life regardless of gender or identity or anything like that so how does that how does that courage come to be because you know it's a difficult thing I'm sure to hold up your hands and go I'm going to name this to myself and then I'm going to negotiate a hostile healthcare system and a hostile communities you know I mean Andy you've just survived four years of Trump like you know that's not that wasn't exactly uh, a very positive space for things so you know how does that courage look like throughout that throughout the process I suppose and just everyday life I'll start with um, Andy actually on that one given that the Trump um, s congratulations on the new election by the way Thank you. <laughs> yeah, th uh, there were some dark days there for sure. Um, yeah, I think the challenge for me, um, you know, in my life is that, um, you know, I was actually just talking to uh, a lover the other day and they were saying something about, you know, their sexist, fat phobic, you know, racist father or something. And, uh, and, uh, and then, you know, and I had that kind of a pause where I, I realized again that like, this is another person I'm not going to be palatable for. And uh, that's, that's a daily occurrence. Um, it's something that I, you know, I, when I turn on the news, I'm reminded how much people hate black people, how much people hate Latinx folks, how much people hate fat people and so on. And so it, it's, it's, it's always out there. So sometimes when I'm kind of approached with the bravery thing, it's like, I don't really have a lot of other options. Um, it's like, I can either like choose to completely 
deny my myself of who I am or just have to put on a like thick skin and say fuck it and go out there and eventually you kind of feel that way sometimes you don't always feel that way but you definitely have days where you're like no fuck it I'm sorry I don't know if we're allowed to say that oh go for it go for it (laughs) (laughs) um but on other days uh you know you're still you can still be wounded you can still you know um and and that armor that we wear on a daily basis can affect you know how much intimacy we allow in or uh, how much we're able to see to ourselves and so it, it does have its challenges bravery is not just you know like pulling the sword out of the stone and feeling powerful it's 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 um it's it's sort of this um like a you process. know kind of as you said it's more resilience than anything else yeah it's it's more just the the continuation of I'm going to keep going and I think that what's helped me to feel that way is knowing that at this point I'm not just living for me I'm living for other people to see me and I need to continue to do that so that uh, you know people can um, can know that there are folks like me in this world and so I think that that's that's really the thing that keeps me going and keeps me resilient is knowing how as much of the impact as like the hate has on me, how much of an impact my place has on everyone else too. That's yeah, very very wisely spoken there. Absolutely, um, Jay, you're a tiny baby of twenty one, and um, we're all the old folks in this podcast here. But I suppose coming out as, as trans in in your teenage like your teenagers are hard enough as it is. I you could not pay me enough money to be a teenager again, and and yet you you had this extra thing to deal with as well as the spots and the puberty and everything else and stuff like that your courage and bravery in that how do you view that yeah like I I would say something similar in a sense that like the the level of like it being optional or not comes into it to me because I think about um when I, I realized I was trans when I was 13 and when I realized I was trans, uh, somebody reminded me of this a while ago. I had kind of forgotten about it. Um, but this person was one of the first people that I had told that I was trans, one of my friends at the time. Um, and they had reminded me that you told me you wouldn't tell anyone you were trans until you were an adult. And I had forgotten about that. I had forgotten that I was so kind of stuck in that fear of what would happen if I decided to come out to my parents, particularly, that I was just like, I'm just not going to do it. I'm going to wait until I'm an adult. I'm going to become financially independent. And that way, no one can hurt me. That was like the mindset I had as a kid. I was like, no one can hurt me if I wait and I do this on my own as an adult. I'll just, I'll live my life or whatever. And the reality is that that so quickly became impossible. Like when I... I don't know how other trans people feel about this, but when I realized I was trans, I had this like spike in positivity and then a huge crash because it was like, oh, I feel so good that other people feel the same way as me, that I'm not, you know, I'm not weird. I'm normal. This is a thing that people go through. Um, But then I was like, but it's so bad. I'm like, that's not even remotely how I feel now. I love being trans today. But at the time, I was so stuck in this, like, it's so bad. It's so hard. How am I ever going to kind of get through that? And it brought me to that point where I was 
just so unable to live my normal life that I was like, oh, I have to come out. I have to be trans. I don't have a choice. I have to just do it. And that was the thing. Like in that moment when I was coming out versus a teenager, I didn't have that confidence. It wasn't there. I wasn't brave. I wasn't courageous. I wasn't anything of the sort. I couldn't say the word trans out loud. First few people I came out to, I wrote it down. The first few teachers that I spoke to, I wrote it down. Um, even the first trans person that I met, I could barely talk to him about it at the time, even though I knew, you know, he was trans, he was going to get what I was talking about. Um, I couldn't do it and I couldn't hack it. And it was only kind of through coming out over and over again and like through being and existing as a trans person over and over again that I got to that point of confidence. And now I'm like, nobody can tell me anything, like at all. There's a video that belonged to you made a few years ago um, that my mother is in. I kind of bullied her into doing it. Um, but it was <laughs> part of these like trans visibility videos. And I'm in it, I'm 16 in these videos, I think. And my mother sits in front of the camera and she says, my son is um, very confident. And you know, the way she says it, she means like, he doesn't shut up and it's annoying <laughs> but it was that kind of growth where like in the two years between realizing I was trans or like the three-ish years between realizing I was trans and filming that video I changed entirely like that that courage came from actually doing it and it wasn't a choice to start but it kind of became normal by the end Wow, that, that's quite a journey, especially in two years. That's wow. And so young as well. Go away with your youth. That's not fair. But yeah. I'm sorry. <laughs> well, and Lilith, like you were saying earlier, you know, you're, you're kind of baby trans, you know, you're only a couple of years into it. So you're going to have a, a completely different journey as, as well then to Jay and Andy, or maybe it's the same. Yeah, I, I, it's just one of those kind of weird things about like kind of trans trans time or queer time. Anyway, you know, uh, like on the on the one hand, yeah, I get like a you know, as I say, I'm I'm only age of four and a half or five years or whatever. Um, but at the same time, you know, I came out when I was thirty one, so I kind of I don't know. I I guess I was at a stage in a like in, in my life where you know I, you know, that life experience still kind of maybe kind of. Hit, that I needed that in order to kind of to to kind of to to actually go ahead and transition you know uh, like I had been conscious of of my transness for much longer than that but it, it just it took me till that time and uh, to, to be able to do that for me personally um but uh, yeah I mean you, I, it, everybody's different as well and I like you know I guess like this the likes of myself um yes I have a lot of resilience and then what you know and I guess the sorts of trans people that end up on podcasts and you know working in activism and stuff like that you know they they've built up that that resilience because maybe you know it, it's a response to trauma anyway and maybe my go-to response is to fight you know uh and and maybe that's why I find myself find myself in the position that I'm in but you know that's not to say that the way that I've kind of um gone in, in forward in my transition is 
is any way better or worse than others it's, it's just it's it's a response to kind of the uh you know to it's just a natural response that i've had to, to get me to where i need to be you know i made a conscious choice when i came out that i was going to rip the band-aid off and i was just going to go full force into it so you know uh you know it, it, uh, one evening i came out to my my ex at the time the next day i was homeless and then i just like literally kind of worked my self up to where I am now over the course of the last kind of five years um, and yes it's maybe strong and resilient but I've had you know the, this, this, the difficulties that I've had to deal with have also been quite intense you know but that's just my, how I've dealt with it like I, I, I read a report somewhere like that um, there was a super high proportion, like in, in gender uh, in gender clinics, there's a, there was a super high proportion of trans people that had vitamin D deficiency. And that's because a lot of trans people aren't necessarily like me going out and about and kind of facing the way they're, they're, they're terrified and they are at home a lot of the times and, and their, their life has, you know, is very much shrunk and smaller and a lot of my work is kind of maybe interacting with people that aren't in the in the limelight like ourselves, you know, shouting and, you know, causing a ruckus and all of that sort of a thing um and you know their their transitions is no way less valid than mine it's just it's just a response to the world that we live in um but uh yeah i, I guess yeah the resilience that i might have had and built on it has had i've had to develop that in order to kind of function and and, and live the life that I, I i want to to live you know uh, and it's also been true going through traumatic events and also a, a shit ton of therapy and <laughs> talking therapy and uh you know and kind of processing stuff and working really really hard on my mental health so you know um it's it's the sum of all those parts i guess yeah and, and you know therapy for for everyone absolutely of course but yeah there's a lot in that i wouldn't have thought about the vitamin d aspect of, of things and you know uh, yeah ireland we don't get enough of that as it is anyway but if you're definitely not going out and stuff you're, you're definitely not going to get enough so um I, I know you said like navigating like healthcare and stuff like that is you're kind of being forced to have resilience because the healthcare system is just so appallingly um <sighs> lacking is a, a deep understatement of that i know jay you've you've kind of you're in the system kind of at the moment and stuff and um i'm sure you have many recommendations for how it could be improved because i know like the healthcare is only one part of being trans not everyone wants to go through medical aspects of things like this but for for a lot of the people who do it just seems to be a system just that is not user friendly in in the slightest Jay, I go to you on that one. <laughs> yeah, like when it comes to healthcare, it's so kind of I find it so strange to talk about healthcare because in the like nearly six years that I've been accessing trans healthcare, it has changed a lot. Um, I'm not gonna say for the for the better. I'm just gonna say it's changed a lot. Um, but it's such a different system. And I even find that like frustrating in and of itself. Like I remember, and th there is a massive amount of credit to my mother in this, um, because obviously I was a teenager. My mother was doing a lot for me in this respect, but there was so little information for us to even look for at the time when I was saying to her, like, I really want to go on testosterone. It would make my life so much better. And even when my parents came to understand that, they were like, but where do we even start? Like, where do we even go? 
where does it begin? And like, it was so hard even just to find the information um, and to, to, to get access to that information. And like, I would credit the fact that I haven't had, like, I don't think that I had a good experience with the healthcare, but I certainly haven't had it as bad as other people. And I definitely think that's because so often my mother was in the room with me. She was there. She was kind of protecting me by virtue of just being a cis person and an adult in the room with me. Like I was being protected from some of the horrible things that healthcare providers will and do say. And that's become so much more noticeable to me now as an adult that I do go and access my healthcare on my own, like a big boy. Um, I I hear such different things. Um, and I have like, uh, I do think I've got the like, I guess learned resilience that my mom has shown me how to deal with systems that don't want me and don't care about me. She's shown me how to kind of be resistant to those things and to be kind of my own advocate and to ensure that I do get what I want. But it's so much more obvious now that I do these things on my own that these systems are not designed to help me. They're not designed to care for me. They're designed to test me. They're designed to discourage me. And it's so kind of, it's disappointing to see, especially when like, uh, obviously everybody deserves the care, everybody deserves the support, but I get so frustrated knowing that like these same people have been providing me with the same care for the last six years and they still want to test me. They still want to prove that I'm trans enough, even though I've been trans enough for them for the last six years going, what's changed? How do they suddenly think you're going to become less trans? Like, Sure, maybe it could happen, but I don't think it's very likely at this point. And it's that kind of thing that like, they just don't want to help. They don't want to support you. They want to be antagonistic. And it's it's just sad at the end of the day because it puts so many trans people in such a horrible position where they're fighting all of the time for everything, even the healthcare that they deserve to, ha- to access. It just sounds absolutely exhausting for sure. I know, and you've got a whole different system over in the US where your healthcare just seems to be a wild system anyway with the insurance and million dollar bills and, and stuff like this. Is it, what, What's it like there? Uh, yeah, you're, you're, you're telling the truth. <laughs> it's, it's, it's pretty intense over here. Um, you know, I'm probably one of the only Americans that has healthcare. <laughs> but the I, minority. Uh, you know, but, I through, you know, but I have it through my job. Um, you know, if I was not employed, it would be very challenging to get, I'm sure, as a, uh, both a fat person and a trans person, um, you know, our country is built on pre-existing conditions and using those against people, um, and that's pretty messed up. So, um, yes, it is very complicated. Um, I am on the West Coast and in California, which is a lot more kind of progressive than you know some of the other states and so there are some really good um kind of uh things that have been put together as far as helping people get uh, their transitions covered um i i'm not super familiar with them personally since i have not transitioned um uh in, in any kind of um surgery way or anything like that um but i have had um really great doctors who have been very supportive and kind of, um, you know, assisting me on different things. Like when I change my name and making sure that that process goes well, there's always going to be 
something that comes through that still has you know like the wrong thing on it or someone that calls from some office and you're like where are you reading but um that's just kind of uh the uh the kind of echo effect of like that part of my transition and how that you know of like name change and legal gender change that has um that has a delay in various kind of chapters of of the medical industry and so that can be really challenging for sure it's mm, a constant thing of like for god's sake can you just get this right and you don't have to be reminded on that daily basis or that phone call basis and stuff so yeah and I know Lilith then for you you've had a totally different experience and having to crowdfund for healthcare and having to travel for healthcare that should be like quite clearly available in your own country is a whole different um ball game we were raising what was it the tea did cups of tea for for yourself for to travel and stuff like that and yeah. like that shouldn't be the case in any stretch of the imagination uh, no <laughs> it shouldn't at all um yeah i mean my my healthcare journey is like the the the, the most difficult and, and stressful you know thing for me and it's saying a lot considering some of the shit, shit i've had to put up with over the last number of years and, and deal with has been um uh kind of the healthcare journey you know i tried to go along by the the rules uh and over the course of the you know the, the number of years that I tried to actually engage with the public service, the, the rules just kept changing and changing and changing and got more and more regressive and 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 uh, and uh, more closed off and more gatekeepery and more and more and more and more uh, hoops to jump through over the time that I was uh, there and that really wreaked havoc with my mental health as well. Like when I was first uh, referred to, uh, it was Lachlanstead at the time. I wasn't in the National Gender Service or whatever. Uh, the waiting list was nine months and when I got to the nine months that waiting list ballooned to uh, 19 months and that's when I had my first mental breakdown and I had to go on antidepressants for the first time in my life um, and then um, you know and in that time I, I got my um, my psychiatric evaluation which was horrible and my, uh, my second opinion for the psychologist you know because at the time that that, that was considered enough to kind of start HRT and and go forward for surgery after a certain amount of time and then when I was in the system the the um, medication that I was given just had wreaked habit again on, on my mental health I was put on blockers alone for months at a time which meant basically put me through menopause which really messed with my mental health again uh, you know I remember at one stage I was uh, standing in the middle of the Smithfield and I actually couldn't remember where I was I couldn't actually say where I was I would be looking at pieces of paper and I wouldn't be able to read it because I just had no hormones in my system and it just was a nightmare and around that time then I, I had to deal with a um, you know a sexual assault that happened um, and I think that to be honest like the, the the fact that you know my hormone levels were so low you know factored into that and then when I was in the system for x amount of time and uh, you know it was it was getting around the time for kind of going for surgery they decided that you know all of those assessments that I had done that got me into the system were basically irrelevant and they decided that they wanted to assess me through their own made-up system and you know at least that's how I feel it is and then when I, I was brought into a room and and you know um you know asked you know deeply deeply personal questions about my personal life at one stage I was asked uh, what goes through my mind when I receive blowjobs um, and that was the point when I said, no, 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 I, that you're, you're going, you're crossing personal boundaries with me. And that led, led to a whole series of issues and problems. 
to the point that um, you know I, I've, essentially, I've essentially over time I've been uh, discharged. So as a result of that, I had to kind of go to the um, to fundraising anyway. Uh, after all of that, mm-hmm. now luckily over the course of those years, uh, I had uh, developed. You know, I had uh, kind of built a commu- community around myself, and I, you know, had you know lots of amazing people um, that are a part of my life, and I was in the position, probably you know, a very privileged position possibly because of the role that I find myself in professionally and, you know, the work that I've uh, done, you know, maybe a bit more behind the scenes in terms of like the repeal the aid campaign and, you know, um, you know, the support that, you know, that I, I've given to, to other people along the way. Um, and as a result, I was able to, you know, fundraise a lot of money to, to get the surgeries that I need. And also I, you know, I had an income then and I was able to take out a 15,000 euro loan on top of that in order to get the, the surgery that I need. Um, and, you know, it, it's, yeah, it's like sometimes even when you go into to the system, it, it fails you, you know, um, but there's, you know, and it's particularly difficult for, for women, I think, in this regard, because really, you know, our, I think in general, our, our incomes tend to be lower. Uh, and also um, the costs, involved are just you know they can be 10 times more mm. uh you know so you know what a, fu- a fundraiser for top surgery you know on average might be you know six or seven thousand whereas you know i'd spend thirty thousand on bottom surgery and you know um breast reconstruction you know so it's yeah and i i i, I feel incredibly lucky that i, I i've been able to get to, to where i am now um, but it's, uh, you know, I, I also feel a lot of anger and resentment over uh, a lot of things that happened along the way and, and the way that I continue to be treated. Uh, um, uh, you know, so, yeah, it's completely yeah. <laughs> justifiable anger on, on every level of that. And, and I think, you know, everyone else should be angry at that as well, because that's just a absolutely ridiculous system. That is like the traumatizingness of it. And like we said, if you have other things going on when you have a lack of hormones and you're trying to deal with things and you're trying to deal with money and keeping roofs over your head yeah. and if, you, if you're completely stripped of of your resilience at that point it's like just a hot mess like, of everything I, mean, I i put in a, a freedom of information request and a gdpr request and to um you know to to the people that were uh, meant to be kind of giving me my care and obviously I, I i i could see the report that was written about that assessment but not only that and i had to do multiple requests to get this they also had like a new a news article on file of my uh, sexual assault that they had and they also had my linkedin profile they had um they had stuff that i had posted in a, in a secret facebook pro, uh, uh, group that had been leaked to them you know um, obviously they had tweets that I had put out um, kind of talking about my experience in uh, the National Gender Service and that's possibly because of the um, the position that I am in but uh, you know that that is what happened you know, like, I have the receipts <laughs> what the fuck like I can't think of any other area of healthcare where your tweets are kept on file like that is not a t- like even accessing anything else I can't imagine that that is completely acceptable or even thought of it's just jesus christ yeah we have a long a long way to go for sure um to almost finish up on on a on a maybe a more positive note i know this this panel can go on for a while we're only obviously touching the surface 
I think you know look the media is a, a crappy place for a lot and it's it, the UK media particularly seems to be um quite happy to platform turfs and stuff like that and Andy I'm sure in the US uh, do you use the term turf over there you must do oh, yeah. yeah yeah you're like yeah we're definitely familiar with that um but to spin that round I don't want to give them any oxygen talk to me about like positive representations of trans people in the media because we've come a long way and you know I know like I was obsessed with Pose when it came out on Netflix and you know the journey that that took people on and the fact that they had actual trans people playing trans people and not cis people <laughs> playing trans people which is obviously um, a big pile of nope but you know the trans joy you know is it there is it you know where where can people look to because obviously you know the media can be a, a a difficult place for some and I, I know Andy with you and skateboarding you're bringing trans joy into the people's lives that way so do you have any any positive media people or shows or representation um I don't have any shows um or things like that primarily um I well one I'm not I'm not big on television and uh two uh I tend to have a hard time watching my identities um, and my stories on television. They, you know, they can be really heavy and hard to see again and again. Um, and so um, I, but I am really happy from the reviews I hear and uh, about how well those shows are doing and that they're bringing conversation into um, the sphere and people are, are talking about these things which are really important. So, um, so even though I haven't been personally um, you know, like witness the shows, I still witness the, uh, the changing of the culture based on that. And, and, and like we said before, it's a both, you know, a double-sided coin of the, uh, the new, you know, visibility creates more avenues for people to have discussions of whether or not they think we're appropriate <laughs> right you know like and so um or just have violence and so that's definitely challenging um but it does give um you know those those younger folks um and also the older folks that are eggs like you know like we said um an opportunity to like to see things and go like whoa like that that feel reflected i feel like that is how i identify and and I think that's really important too so for me I think the 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 biggest way is I, I'm staying connected to to trans activists and to trans uh leaders I'm going to be following these two as soon as this is over because you know I want to know what they're up to and so um I think that that's that's who I look up to are the folks that are doing things right now and uh and that are approachable and, and connectable to me. I think that's that's a easier, um, an easier icon. <laughs> yeah. No, that makes perfect sense. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And Jay, what about yourself? I love YouTube. I so love YouTube. I'm very much the same. I don't watch TV very much. My parents will talk to me about TV shows and be like, I have no idea what you're talking about, but okay. Um, so I watch a lot of different like trans YouTubers because I really enjoy seeing other trans people's perspectives I enjoy seeing other trans people's opinions and I love seeing like especially with something like YouTube you have so much control over your own kind of content because it is your content uh, for all of YouTube's flaws you're making the video you're posting it you have control over your own narrative in that sense um and like obviously there there's bad eggs in the trans YouTube sphere I'm sure we all know um but I really enjoyed 
Uh, I really enjoyed watching people like Ty Turner or Jamie Raines, who are both really like um, really positive influences for me while I was still kind of young and going through like a lot of the early stages of transitioning because they were so aspirational. I could and because they had also transitioned as young people even though they were about older than I was they were still kind of very much people I could look at and go oh you know that's what I could be like that's what I can do and stuff like that and as well other people who make content that's not necessarily so focused on them being trans but who are whose perspectives are informed by the fact they're trans like people like ContraPoints or Philosophy Tube both like wonderful content creators who kind of explore different uh, political and philosophical ideas with their trans perspective involved. And I think that that's kind of like a really good, a really good way, even like for people outside of the trans community to start being exposed to trans voices and opinions and perspectives, because you have the ability to make your own content, you're not gonna get unfairly edited by somebody who's making a tv show who's going to misrepresent you or something like that you have your own control over your own story and you can put out what you want to make even though youtube doesn't respect you <laughs> but you know still you get to make your own stuff and i i really like watching that kind of thing yeah that you're you're, you're making me feel ancient because i didn't even think youtube there <laughs> so you know, i feel like an old granny at the moment so thank you dave for making me feel ancient um <laughs> lilith i'll go to you next um sorry what was the original question again so just looking for i saw sources of trans joy in the media or uh, you know um like people that you can follow or good representation i suppose of um trans people or just trans issues in general yeah uh, i suppose like in in the in the general sense i suppose like you know i i do kind of you know, I, I look up a bit to to kind of Sandy Stone. I, I find her kind of um, story like you know pretty you know awesome, and and you know her her life and and, and what she's done, you know, and she like being this kind of working class lesbian as well, um, who's kind of uh, you know uh, into into music and um and, and you know the kind of battles that she had around kind of responding to terrorists and stuff like that. I you know I, I do kind of draw from her, but you know on a more kind of I don't know like for me um what i what is really important for me is is, is community and community care and, and 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 kind of generational kind of continuity as well uh and you know in an irish context you know i mean i i grew up in a country where you know in up until like what 1993 it was illegal to be gay let alone trans um and so and then there's you know I, you know, I grew up, up in a sort of a post-AIDS era where, you know, a lot of elders are dead uh, or left the country. So what I, you know, what, what I've tried to do is, is kind of almost try to, in a way, kind of create m uh, my own um, uh, kind of avenues and, uh, and stuff. And, you know, I, I've done a lot of contribute uh, work kind of behind the scenes around that. And I've been kind of collaborating with um, uh, the Sterling's Collective and, um, 
on the the podcast uh, kind of conversation say trans and with, with the hope of kind of you know having trans people together in a room and watching the magic happen you know bringing kind of people elders you know to talk to kind of younger trans and uh, people uh you know with no cis people there and not having to kind of think of an agenda and just like kind of you know and so that trans people have the freedom to kind of talk about what they want to talk about and and um you know there's some really like amazing stuff that just comes out of it you know um so you know i get that that's that's what i've been trying to do is, is kind of create spaces where um you know we can control our own narrative and we can kind of take up space ourselves and talk on our own terms and 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 get that out there and so that's you know when that 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 you know trans person that hasn't come out yet or you know is looking to find community or is looking to kind of get a context of what what it means to be trans at least in this country you know there's a resource out there with the with the conversation trans podcast that you know that uh, that people can just kind of go and tap into and and, and all of a sudden they know a, a, a little bit about you know people that are you know in your local in your community right now that that are living you know their own lives authentically and, and some of the you know the crazy ass shit that they've done you know i mean you know eilish is um very much a, a maternal figure in my life you know she walked me down the aisle at me, for me wedding and um, and so it, it's just great to have that and um, kind of there and that kind of historical kind of piece of, of a, a little bit of the life that she's lived out there for any trans person to just kind of listen to you know fantastic yeah and, and like you said yeah the, the power in creating your own space and controlling your own narrative cannot be underestimated that's such a, a powerful thing um I, I definitely encourage all the listeners to have a look at conversate trans it's on the tortoiseshek network as well um thanks emil to all of you for for taking the time to chat to me today i know um this could quite easily be a four-hour podcast. We still wouldn't even touch absolutely everything, but I, you know, I appreciate your time and that we've had a lot of food for thought and and looking at the different experiences, um, from international to to baby trans to literally baby trans in the case of Jay. But um, <laughs> we leave him off for that one. Um, where can people find you if they want to reach out, have the chats, or just follow your awesome work, Andy? I'll go to yourself. Uh, you can find me at Educator Andy on all social media channels uh, and uh, Chub Rolls for my uh, skateboarding group. That's uh, Chub Rolls with a Z. And uh, yeah, if anybody wants to follow and um, connect, including the two of you, uh, happy to, to stay connected. Fab. Cool. And Jay? Um, I have a Twitter account which fluctuates wildly um, between very serious and completely unimportant which is jtrans boring i technically have a youtube channel i will not recommend that you follow it it's not very good <laughs> um and outside of that i would say that you should follow belong to youth services on twitter because they are what has given me all of the opportunities that i have had to speak as a trans young person and i just think that they're great i think they're neat fair enough fair enough and lilith yourself yeah, I, um, I suppose I have me Twitter, but um, like I, for for trans people, if you want to find community, if you want to kind of link in, if you want to go to a peer support group, if you if you want to be aware of, of events that are happening, you know, the, the important stuff like what I do on, on my Twitter is, is kind of a, maybe a bit of a distraction, but uh, just, you know, check out Tenny, Tenny.ie and, um, you know, um, and get, get in touch that way and uh, ask for myself 
And, you know, if you want to know of the, you know, a transpeer support group that's meeting in your area, you know, I'll be more than happy to kind of connect you in, you know, um, if you're trying to find your way, or even if you've been out for ages and you just want to, you know, shoot the breeze with some trans folk, um, you know, just check out Tenny and ask for me and I'll try and point you in the right direction. Fab. And you've got your podcast as well. So um, a conversation trans. Andy, where's your podcast? Come on. Wait, uh, I know I don't have a podcast. Come on. You're, you're, you're behind the times there. I like to join podcasts. I like to be invited <laughs> to things. Uh, you know, I, yeah. I don't like to you might be wiser on that on that aspect of things so yeah um so yeah we'll finish up there um happy international transgender day of visibility to everybody go check out our twitter is like full of hashtags today um check out all the the platforms that we've mentioned there today it's lovely that there's so many different options for support which is fantastic for all different ages as well um and whatever stage you are in in your journey you know people are always at different stages so happy days um if you want to dm me it's um on Instagram and Twitter, it's Glow West Podcast. Like we said at the top of the hour, if you want to support the podcast, it's patreon.com forward slash tortoise Or if you really feel like being extra special, pop over and rate and review over on Apple. That does help spread the word as well. And I look forward to chatting to you next time.